Hello everyone, welcome to Then Now Whatever, the wrestling podcast, episode 22. 22? 22! Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Where are you? Why me? Why me? Why me? I'm your host, the Doctor Among Men, Duncan Joyce. And in this episode, in celebration of Progress's biggest ever show coming up at Wembley Arena on September the 30th, we're going to take a look back at Progress's biggest ever Manchester show, which we were all in attendance for. That's Progress Chapter 69, Be Here Now. Bit brave of them to reference the Oasis album where they all got rather bloated and too big for their boots, but still. It took place on 20th of May 2018, from the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester. So let's get to it. Joining me, as always, is the hardest working Triple H Mark in show business, Mr. Kyle Cambray, and our good friend Dave Summerton. Oh, Alright, that's how we're doing. Alright. Yeah, good. Summy, we didn't get a chance to check in with you last episode. How's your summer been? Pretty good, thanks. Yeah, pretty wrestling light, to be honest, but uh, sort of since, since SummerSlam been getting a little bit more back into it so it's been catching up on not a, not a lot I feel like the storylines are still the same as when, I, when at the beginning of the summer the feuds seem to be very very similar mm-hmm. but hopefully we've got some stuff to look forward to what have we been up to in general I put on my first ever play mm-hmm. which is very stressful but that's done and dusted we're meeting up this week to look at all the reviews maybe changing the drinks <laughs> um, to cherry <laughs> um, <Good> <laughs> yeah, and seeing if we can put it on either later on this year, earlier next year. And I've just got a part in a play that I'll be doing at the end of November. Nice one. Which is really cool. So, yeah, I'm busy. Busy, busy, busy. Mm-hmm. How are you? Pretty good, yeah. I've got an interview tomorrow. Oh, brilliant. Uh, Fingers crossed. Yeah, picking up some more students as well. So, it's going to be the science festival. I'll do some shifts for that. Nice. Really looking forward to it. The last time we spoke about this, was it was it a light exhibition or a sleeping exhibition? Yeah, that was... They had some funding for a couple of pop-up festivals a couple of years ago yeah. that were in specialist subjects, and light was one of those. But there was one time we had like the little sleeping environment in the Arndale where people were going yeah. to hammocks and they'd have this therapeutic narrative through to get them to focus on how they sleep and how they breathe and stuff. Yeah. I think it was Northwest United did a report on it, and you could just about see my feet in one of the hammocks because <laughs> <laughs> it was for the it was for the press launch of the yeah. festival. That's cool. So all the media people were coming in, and we had the director there, and it was good stuff. Cool. We are on the verge of one of the biggest ever shows in independent wrestling. Huge. UK independent wrestling. I feel like not to put a downer on it, but. Well, we should find it's going to be the biggest independent show in England since like nine, like thirty years, nineteen eighty, something, something like, that, like yeah. that. Which is like insane. It sounded like I was being like a miserable bastard then, which I'm, I am, <laughs> <laughs> but not not in that way. Just in terms, just obviously we've had all in recently, which I think this will be different, but still just as important. I think certainly for the UK. Did you see someone was slagging progress like? Just to clarify, this is just for England, right? Because ICW have been doing this for a couple of years. Like, uh, 
Yeah, we say England all the time. We never get the claim it was the UK. And then someone found screenshots of their old tweets <laughs> saying, biggest wrestling show in the UK in 30 years. I do think that it'll be quite good. It's stuff like this. I actually look forward to seeing the sets and like what the Tron's going to look and that mm. sort of stuff. Because I thought they did well with All In. Like how they had the like thin strips of like when the Bullet Club came out. and you, That you was know. Ring of Honor as well, wasn't it? Was that not... They, they sort of helped out with the mm. production side of things from that. I think that was a big, yeah. big help mm. for them. But it's exciting to see, I think, just in terms of everything else, not even necessarily just progress, yeah. but every all the other independent companies in the UK. Rev Pro are doing like TV stuff now off the back of the five-star sort of <coughs> yeah. balls up that happened earlier on this year, mm. um, which I think, again, it's just exciting. Like Obviously, World of Sport has struggled a little bit. I feel like there's only about 15 people watching at the minute, but... It gets earlier and earlier and earlier throughout the day from what I've seen. Yeah, it's not great. It did start off well, but I'm sort of losing interest now. Since they got put in the half-four slot, the edits have got really more and more severe. Yeah. Someone showed a clip of Kaylee Ray was going to kick B Priestley in the head or something. I didn't even show that. Wow. Mm. Yeah, see, I've not, I've not actually seen any of it, so I'm part of the problem with all this, but... It's just, it's, I think, for me, it's, it's, it's an ITV thing. I don't, everything just feels the same on ITV. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it all feels like a bit gimmicky. I understand that's what World of Sport was originally. But I think nowadays you want something a little bit. Yeah, I think we've, we've kind of grown a little, haven't we? To mm-hmm. gimmick it. But then again, is, is it necessarily aimed at us? That's the question. It's probably aimed at families and, and young kids, isn't it? Which I suppose is similar to, to WWE I, anyway, which, I do wonder though, you see the Twitter accounts and stuff and you see the, the tweets that World of Sport have like retweeted and stuff and it's like guys that have said, yes, World of Sport's back, this is incredible, this is... And I, I do genuinely think, like, I, are they watching what what we're watching? Yeah, but I feel like these could be the same people who, who like tweet just female wrestlers in general thinking that this are all going to get somewhere. Yeah. That are, I mean, I suppose, it, again, it's me being a miserable bastard. <laughs> Because I don't, I don't do, I don't do human interaction, internet or otherwise. I just think, I think it's a, an experiment that I think would have been exciting to see come off successfully. Obviously, they've got a tour coming up as well, haven't they? So hopefully, the tour mm. does well, and that leads on to something else. But. Yeah, there are a few people about at MediaCon as well. Some of the wrestlers were on Impact's UK show too, which was pretty good overall. I thought. Yeah, well, checked I, it on the Twitch. I've heard. Incredible stuff about the Sammy Callahan and uh, Havoc match. How brutal it was. I'll be honest, I kind of tuned out by the time that got on. So yeah. it's just kind of... It's all the same to me now, all these yeah. Havoc matches. Yeah. But Jody Fleisch and Johnny Storm wrestled LAX. It was fucking mint. Wow. And Lana Austin wrestled Sue Young. It's nice for Lana to get a, like an international opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Just all very much based in... The Northwest mostly. Hmm. So, in celebration of Progress's biggest ever show, we're going to take a look back to their biggest ever Manchester show, which we were all in attendance for at the Victoria Warehouse. Nice change of venue. It was. I really enjoyed the venue. Yeah. This one, I thought it was it was better than than the Ritz. Cheaper, alcohol wise. <laughs> See that that doesn't affect me. So that that was. I I don't have that that, that tick. No, but I, I mean you know that that's it's a plus for people yeah I liked it I thought the size definitely helped 
I wouldn't mind having it there again. No, I'd be quite happy to go. It's a bit of a ball late to get to. Ritz is banging the centre of Manchester, mm. which is great for us, but it's not, not the worst place in the world. I felt like the atmosphere felt a little bit better when we were there. With everyone on one level as well, I feel like that helped. Yeah. So it mm. made it feel sort of more busy. Mm. I'd have thought it made it feel like a bigger thing because obviously at the Ritz you've got the two levels. So you yeah. get everyone all on one level. I thought it was really, really good. And like you said, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to... Yeah. to be there again pretty swish overall really and they had a nice sort of space for merch and things like that even though like you did sort of get bottlenecked a bit like going around the tables and stuff like that yeah the last time I was at Victoria Warehouse I wasn't in the like exhibition venue I was in the proper hotel bit yeah because I was volunteering for the science festival there someone had decided that it was a good idea to put this kid's activity where they get to make fossils right next to this big adult science arts exhibition that had this really big like structure to simulate attendance and stuff so I had to stop kids climbing all over that and there was one of the installations that was like a video of a half naked woman simulating choking or drowning or something and like flitting like a fish these two things do not match. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got to my shifts for next weekend and they're like, yeah, we're not sending anyone to the, no. <laughs> the warehouse anymore. Jesus. So we kicked things off, as usual, with Jim greeting us in the middle of the ring. He can read the drinks menu from one of the screens <laughs> from inside the ring. The fact that Jim could read you know, the signs because they were all LED screens... But that was your separate room, and then the merch was another separate room. Because mm. where at the O2, if anyone's walking around and they're wanting merch, that far right corner, if you're at the stage, just gets absolutely rammed and you can't move anywhere. Whereas when you add your breaks and stuff, the British strong style corner. Yeah. 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 You 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 could still move around very easily to wherever you wanted because everything was separated, but very clear to you know where you wanted to go I've seen a whole bunch of wrestlers who were there as as punters linger around that corner after all the merch people had gone yeah. there was one time Ashton Smith and Moose were at a show just chilling back in that corner just having a watch Jeez. so he does his usual checking on the newbies thing and one person claimed that his excuse for not going to the show until now was that he was waiting for this number <laughs> it's chapter 69. Some bloke called Jeff is here, who was at Super Strong Style 16 and is a bellend, apparently. I forgot what he did. He had some really ragamuffin story. Yeah, show. I can't remember properly what that was. One lad travelled 18 hours to get here. Yeah, he got quite a big pop. You do wonder, though, some of these stories. They put the hand up to say that it's their first progress show. You do wonder whether the... They're thinking, right, I need to. I need a good story to get a good pop or I want some feedback from Jim, so I'm going to say something stupid. I well, I mean, when you guys to... were at your first show, you just didn't stand up, so... No, I know, but I, you could, I, didn't, I wouldn't have known what to say. Is that, yeah. But I, I think the, the guys that stand up, I like, think of a story to say, whether it be true or not. Mm. I feel like there's definitely a sort of person who will stand up mm. when asked to stand up, and I'm certainly not one of those types of people you think Kyle would be mm. being an actor but 
No, I don't know what, what came off me. I, just, I think the beer helped hold me down. <laughs> See, I was stood in the balcony for my first show and they didn't do the stick anyway. Yeah. So I just... Give us a cheer if it's your first show. Like, whoa! It's your mouth! It's your mouth! What the fuck is going on? <laughs> what are they doing? Just crowd surfing you towards the bar. Yeah. What the hell? Jim quips in response to this guy. I live 45 minutes away and it took me 10 hours to get here thanks to road closures. Oh yeah, Jesus. When that show was on, literally everywhere was closed, weren't it? Yeah, it was 10k, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was a, the great Manchester run or whatever it was. And Yola Louise was in that, wasn't she? She was, yeah. She did one hour and eight minutes, I think. We probably should know this, but yeah. One hour, eight minutes, which is two minutes slower than Gary Neville. So she was oh, pretty pleased nice. with that. All, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That'd be tough, and it was like the hottest day of the year, or one of the hottest days of the year. Mm. And I couldn't do five k. I mean, never mind ten k. So it was. I was pretty chuffed with her for that. Do you know? I also remember talking about like the, the closures and stuff when we were queuing up. That woman that like had a go at me in the queue as we were queuing in. You said, "Oh, the oh, on the doorstep." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an odd. Was she having a go at you, or was she having a go at someone else? It was somebody moving like behind us or something. And she was like, "Oh, take a picture; it lasts longer," or mm. something. I'm like, "What?" Because I'm th- I'm thinking to myself, like, why is she counting people individually as she's going down? And then was she not like dead nice afterwards? Yeah, like, yeah. When she we probably actually cheered. got in the venue or when we're going home. We're coming like, out, yeah. We're coming out, and she's like, "Everyone have a safe journey home." And I was like, "Who's this? Is this yeah. like your your twin? <laughs> yeah, like, is this another person? This because that was not what you were like before." They should have done that with doink or someone, like not just have imitation doinks, but have them behave completely differently to fuck people over. <laughs> Here come the tag team champions at the time, Grizzle Young Veterans. And they bemoan the fact that they are not booked on this show. Question, why would you, as a booker, book your wrestlers to moan about how you've not booked as big a show as you possibly could have? I feel like that's one in in a long list of questions about progress booking Mm. as of late. You could argue that it's very similar to the bar being booked in a a a potential title match for Hell in a Cell. But then losing that, but then still getting a title opportunity yeah. in in Australia. Yeah, there's a lot of odd booking. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah surely if this is your biggest ever Manchester show, you want your tag team champions wrestling. Hmm. Yeah, don't 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 allude to the fact that it's not quite as big as it it could be. That had never even occurred to me before that, but now you've said it, yeah. That is quite an oversight. <laughs> Anyway, they have a moan about the Thunderbastard tag team series that they're in and they're going to join commentary for the first match of the evening because all it takes is five minutes with a microphone and we still run this show. To be fair, they are good on the mic. Like It was a pointless spot, but they did what they would normally do. They got the, the heel over. Zach, whenever he gets on the mic, they fucking hate him. So. He's a heat magnet, isn't he? Yeah. He's so yeah. good. In that role, especially in Manchester, straight away, as soon as he, even if he was trying to be face, as soon as he opens his mouth, he's a scouser, right? You're gonna get heel heat, and he's good at playing on that. And I think again, he, like Kyle said, he is he is incredibly good at, at that role. He, he's right; he doesn't need a lot of time. He literally doesn't have to say a word, and he's gonna get he's gonna get booed, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm. 
So our opening contest of the evening is part of the Thunder Bastard Tag Team Series, featuring Aussie Open, the team of Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis, taking on Eminem, Maverick Mayhew and Connor Mills. Paz is refereeing this match. Paz has never been in Manchester before. That's quite cool. Yeah, I would have liked Aussie Open and Grizzled Young Vets to be wrestling this match, to be honest. Yeah. Is there a copyright thing with Eminem? Can they be called Eminem? Or is it because the spelling's different? It's not M-N-M, it's M and M. Because that, that has been a tag team. Major League Wrestling at the minute, they have a whole Hart Foundation stable now. Ah. With Teddy Hart, Brian Pillman Jr. and Bulldog Jr. And they're just calling themselves the Hart Foundation and nobody seems to care, so... Okay. I will shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, 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 I think it, it's pretty fast and loose, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just think because you know like how how arsy the WWE can be with, oh my God, they're, they're using a name that we use or whatever. Stu Bennett was on Soccer Air on Saturday and he was talking about how they trademark absolutely everything. Mm. So he changed his name. And I didn't know. Wade was he's a, a famous Preston rugby player. That's where we got that from. All right. And Barrett was uh, Dusty Rhodes, because Dusty Rhodes thought that Barrett worked well after Wade. That's another thing with with the trademark stuff that not wanting him to use his real name as Stu Bennett and having to change it to Wade Barrett shows how finicky they are with, you know, I will own your name. Well, I was reading this week that when AJ first joined WWE, he was having a, a, a conversation with, with Triple H and they, they were umming and ahhing about whether or not they'd be able to use AJ Styles as his name and his response was well I've got a big tattoo on my side that says AJ so I don't know how we're going to get around that but I'm happy to be called anything <laughs> and I think it's probably a good thing that he, he is known as AJ Styles I think yeah. you sort of lose some of that sort of impact I think if he's not got the the same name but then you've seen that with, with a lot of people coming in especially through NXT so like EC3, Ricochet like these aren't necessarily sort of gimmicks and names come up by WWE the start of this match is super slick and there's an incredible 1080 degree head scissors by Mayhew. Fletcher then does a helo onto everyone and Davis drops both of Eminem with right hands and squishes them with back sentons. Then get a great double team detonation kick and hangsman netbreaker to get two for Aussie Open. Good hot tag to Mills and a great DDT by Mayhew. Then get a double springboard corkscrew moonsault to the outside by Mills. I love stuff like that. In a smaller area as well. You see, like on TNA, New Japan, WWE, wherever, like the gap between the ring and the audience is much bigger. So you can do stuff like that. But then at like indie shows, it's good to see because you've got to get it on point because of how small the gap is mm. to be able to get yourself over and safely do the stuff like that. There's been some stuff, like, you know, the, the front row in front of the mixing desk in the Ritz. Yeah. People have been caught in the crossfire there a fair few times. Yeah. Well, I re- last time we were at the O2, there was one where they were pretty much sat on each other. <laughs> yeah. Davis keeps missing his right hands and gets hit with kicks. A cold red by Maverick. Scorpion kick by Mills. Aussie Open start doing a bunch of double teams in response that culminates in a doomsday cutter for a near fall. There's then a great springboard X-Factor by Kyle 
and then Mayhew escapes to close your eyes and leapfrogs Davis to Meteor Reflection. Davis then comes back with the Alpha Male Water Slide. That's a very Australian <laughs> move, Davis. <laughs> Fletcher hits a lawn dart to set up Mayhew for the fidget spinner, and that gets the win for Aussie Open in 8 minutes and 32 seconds. Really fun, energetic opener. Great chemistry between the two teams. Yeah, just a great showcase for everyone here. What do you lads think? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Especially from the previous show that we'd been to, where Matt Davis was up against Volta. That was two sort of really, really good matches that I'd seen from him in a row. I do really, really like Aussie Open. I think they might sort of progress the last sort of six to 12 months of had to sort of have a, a revamp with all their their wrestlers and their teams and stuff. And I certainly think that Aussie Open have got a big a big future in, in that particular promotion, I think, going forward. It's nice to see, obviously, with like CCK, they brought them in to sort of take the tag division by storm. And for one reason or another, they've sort of obviously had issues with, with Lycos keep getting injured and stuff. Mm. And it needs something to sort of bring the focus back to the tag division, which is the Thunderbastard tournament has, has obviously done that. I think this is a really good way to start it as well, sort of with a necessarily two of the, the lesser-known tag teams within that particular division. Yeah, I thought it was a really good opening to that show as well, especially having had just had the conversation about Zach Gibson saying that why are we not on there for them to then go on and put on a match like that was really really good. Mm. So it really really sort of counteracted that initial from Zach Gibson. I agree with that. I just think it was a nice easy watch. Nothing too over the top in a sense of trying to make the audience go somewhere they didn't need to go. Nice and simple, came out, did the jobs, tried to put over both teams, which they did great. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Yeah, so this series went on to build and build. So the idea is everyone at the Wembley show is going to fight in a big Thunderbastic tag team matchup. Grizzled Young Veterans, Aussie Open, Eminem, originally Haskins and Flash, but we'll get to that. CCK, the Anti-Fun Police, and depending on the result from this show that we're covering today, either Sexy Star or the South Pacific Power Trip. That's gone on to evolve a great deal since we have been on this show, mostly revolving around the Coast to Coast American Tour. So on day one of that tour... CCK actually beat Grizzled Young Veterans in their series matchup, which means that they won the Tag Team Championship. That's cool. Lycos got injured in that match. So then Gresham had to take his place and be a Tag Team Champion. They did one defence. Gresham got injured in that. Ah, fuck it, who's backstage? Um, Oh, okay, yeah, AR Fox, you trained Gresham, you, you fit, fine, whatever. They then lost the titles to a team who weren't even in the Thunder Bastard series, Bandito and Flamita. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, what the hell's going on? So now they enter this match as the champions, and they're going to enter the match first. And all the people in the series are going to come out in like reverse order from how many points they've earned. Yeah. Basically, they are, they're going to drop the belts. It's just who they drop the belts to. Yeah, it's a totally, oh, get more people on this show kind of move. Yeah. yeah. It's fine, really. Match number two is Mark Andrews facing the Super Strong Style 16 winner, Zack Sabre Jr. Since our last show, Mark Andrews has been completely dogged by Eddie Dennis once again. The breaking point came when Eddie actually attacked Junior's manager at a Junior gig. Yeah. 
on day three of Super Strong Star 16, they agreed that they'd face each other once Eddie's pectoral muscle healed, but they couldn't, there was no touching in between that time. As you do. As you do, yeah. yeah. And so now they're going to face each other at Wembley in a TLC match. Mm. I got like uh, Hardy's Edge and Christian Dudley Boys flashback when I read that it was going to be a table ladders and chairs match. It's quite cool. I think quite exciting. Mark Andrews is a high flyer and you'd imagine he's going to do some crazy stuff. Initially I was a bit like, is that just a stipulation for the sake of there being a stipulation? Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a good opportunity, I felt, for a cage match. Eddie Dennis has been coming in, he's been sort of attacking Mark Andrews out of nowhere, like you said, attacking Junior's manager. And I think maybe just because of sort of all the Hell in a Cell stuff we've been watching recently, it might have been a good idea if they could have had their first ever cage match, be it Wembley. They've always said before that the reason that they're not able to have cage matches has been the venues aren't aren't big enough. Mm. Well, you're in your biggest venue ever. Why not do a cage match where possible? I think that would have been a nice way to sort of not necessarily end the feud because we don't know whether it will end the feud. It might be the the, the start of something sort yeah. of bigger. It's certainly been one of the more interesting feuds o- over this summer, I thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I thought really well handled. I think Eddie Dennis, his, his promos on, on YouTube have just been absolutely incredible. And I think you've, we've seen a massive a massive difference from him sort of in the last 18 months, 12 months since he, he went full-time. And I'm really excited to to see this match. Mm. I think we'll get into it later with a lot of the other stuff, but with some of the problems that Progress have faced putting this show together, a lot of it has kind of felt a bit mechanical. Yeah. Same with the, the Thunder Bastard tag team series, really. It's just everyone wrestles matches until the show. But Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews, this is one of the few things that feels like a genuine culmination or something. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's probably not going to be the end of the feud, but it is going to be a build to a big... It's certainly event. more in line with what progress, I think, sort of set them apart from other indie companies initially, was the storytelling that mm. they were so, so good at. And I think this has sort of been a bit of a slow burner. For one, obviously, reasons out of their own hands with Eddie getting injured. But I still think it's been really, really well handled up until this point. Again, we'll get on in a little bit to other stories that we're going into that might not have had necessarily the same sort of build yeah. going into to next Sunday. But the matches that are going to be, be on the card, this is one of the ones I'll certainly be looking out for mm-hmm. more than any other. His opponent, Zack Sabre Jr., as I mentioned, he's the Super Strong Style 16 winner. He beat Chuck Mambo in the first round, David Starr in the quarterfinals, Keith Lee in the semis. And Cassius Ono in the final. But he's not going to be able to fight for the world title at Wembley. And we were saying before about mechanical solutions. That led to the free and in stipulation. If you win three matches in a row, you get a world title match. We'll get into the results of that later on. Yeah, great shame that Zack Sabre Jr. is missing out. Because there's this New Japan show on at the same time. Yeah, I suppose that's that's sort of where your contract stuff comes into it. That's where they, they've got to be careful with British Strong Style, you know, of where their stories go in progress because you don't know at what point is WWE going to say, right, lads, we need you for X, Y, Z or whatever. The opening going of this match is very much Zach gets a hold on, Andrews has to find a way to escape it. And it's very nice and technical. One sequence around Full Nelson that was really nice and it led to Andrews getting out with an arm drag eventually. 
Zach gets an octopus hold in the ropes. I don't yeah. think I've seen that before. No, that was nice. It was nasty. Sabre tries to lure Andrews into a striking fest, but ends up eating more counter-wrestling and a drop kick. Andrews goes for a dive, and Zach just kind of like walks like, fuck off. No, none of that. But then Andrews does a helo from off the steps. Really nasty neck twist by Zack Sabre Jr. He's a very good like torture artist, yeah. really. Both men then trade straight jacket holds, which eventually leads to Mark Andrews' victory rolling into the double stomp, hitting a huge top rope Frankensteiner and a somersault moonsault for a near fall. Zack Sabre hits a tornado DDT. Mm. You never expect that kind of no. Out of him. No, I do. I do like sort of in the last probably twelve months, just a little bit of a change in, in Zack Sabre Junior. When he was in the Cruiserweight Classic, I wasn't a massive fan, and I've probably said this before. I think certainly since in the last twelve months with the New Japan stuff that he's been doing, I do feel like he's sort of brought out another sort of another string to his bow. Mm. In that his heel work is great. And especially sort of over in the New Japan stuff, but then he's bringing that over into this, where in a match where this is effectively two faces, in a match this, but he's still able to do like you were saying before with the sort of noping out of the from, from outside the ring and all that sort of stuff, and sort of these extra things that you don't expect. You think mm-hmm. about that Zack Sabre Junior match, I think very much a grounded match, a lot of holds, sort of escapes and, and submissions, and then you got Mark Andrews who you just think of as a as a high flyer, and it was good to see both of them doing sort of things that they aren't necessarily they're not well known for and are a little bit out of their own wheelhouse it just uh, makes the matches more exciting I think initially you'd associate this world of sport style of his with it's, it's, it's the beauty of the holds it's the escapology yeah, exactly. and stuff like that with him being involved with Suzuki Gun it's kind of like put a, a killer instinct twist on things mm. like even when he was coming out it was like kicking the shit out of the turnbuckles to make sure they were firm and stuff and yeah, yeah. It's not just a different attitude. I suppose that comes as working with the scariest man in professional wrestling in Minoru Suzuki. Murder granddad. Yeah. <laughs> we get a crucifix driver by Mark Andrews. Zach comes back with a penalty kick, but Andrews fires up with an Enziguri and a reverse Hurricane Rana. He then goes for the shooting star, but lands right into the clutches of a triangle choke. Andrews bridges out of that for a near fall, and then both men eventually trade a bunch of pin attempts, which leads to Zack Sabre Jr. locking on the hypernormalization instantaneous tap out. That was the most disgusting looking move in wrestling. Oh yeah. God. yeah. So Zack Sabre wins in 15 minutes, 32 seconds. What do you guys make to this? I wasn't overly excited about it, just because I'm, I'm not really like a, a technical fan. Like watching wrestling, I'd much rather, you know, you have the, I don't know, like the, the moves hurt and, and stuff. And not not saying that I, I wouldn't watch a, a technical match. I just, I don't know, I, I felt like, especially with it being uh, Mark Andrews in the match as well, I felt like there would, there'd be a little more to it. I didn't think they got out of second gear sort of thing within the match. But again, you know, it, it was fine to watch. There wasn't a point where I was thinking, oh, well, okay, you know, how long is this going on for? That was just my my opinion watching it I said a lot of what I wanted to say previously I think they're probably two of my favourites at the moment it's difficult for me not to enjoy it there'd have to be a lot of other shit going on for me to not enjoy a match between those two and certainly with Zack Sabre Jr one of the best wrestlers in the world I would argue over the last 12 months in terms of everything that he's done 
So yeah, I really enjoyed that match. It was a pretty interesting styles clash. Mark doing the whole escaping, needs to create distance to gain the advantage. Zach's trying to lure him in so he could hook a hold and stuff and regain the advantage. Really nice contest for basically an exhibition style match. Yes. On to the third match, which sees David Starr take on Volta, who at the time was the Pro Wrestling Guerrilla World Champion, and he had the title with him, which is kind of unexpected. Yeah. He's no longer the Atlas Champion at this stage because he was on a campaign to become the Progress World Champion. He won a number one contendership, uh, Chapter 67, got to challenge for the title on the second day of Super Strong Style 16, but... Travis Banks, the champion at the time, walked out of a match to take the count out loss and keep the title. Travis then declared that he was never going to defend his title again against Volta while he was the Atlas champion. So Volta vacated the belt. But didn't really have a firm guarantee of a title match when he vacated it, which I thought was a bit... Yeah, it was a bit of a a storyline loophole there. Mm -hmm. We'll get back to how that story progresses later on. Story of this match is basically these two have had a pretty wild rivalry throughout Europe, really, and David Starr just can't beat Volta. So there's a bit more intensity to Starr when, when he's getting his big, long-winded intro reading out. They've added something for a T-shirt gate in his intro. I was like, please don't touch his T-shirts! <laughs> there was some booze when the he's really good at Twitter line came up as well. Yeah, that... Obviously got out of hand in it on Twitter. We get a really map-based start to begin this one. Some pretty unique arm work from Star, including a headbutt in the arm while it's in arm ringers. Star starts to chop Walter and the fans can immediately sense that he's fucked up. Like, <laughs> no, why are you doing that? I put a <laughs> red flag up to a bull, like... But he's actually quite successful in being evasive for a good long while. Volta accidentally big boots a ring post. Which leads to the story of this match with Volta having an injured leg. Star again then is a bit of an idiot slapping Volta about. And quite rightly he gets chopped down. The second one in this match you could see the sweat fly. They are nasty. I definitely wouldn't want one anyway. (laughs) No I can't imagine. I feel like my chest would cave in. Yeah, with, with, with some, something like that from Volta, he he does. I mean, he's obviously a big bloke, but he, there's something about him that makes him sort of even more imposing than all the others. Sort of, if you think of that Atlas division, there is nobody more imposing than Volta, and I think that that says a lot when you the you think of the people who've been in that division yeah. up until this point. He is the most imposing out of all of them. Star cradled. Volta at one point, but Volta's kick out sent Star all the way outside the ring. Star scores some stiff lariats, but when he tries to get the momentum rolling, he eats an absolutely colossal shotgun drop kick by Volta. Looked like it moved the ring. Volta's legs still bothering him though, but he's still able to score a big slap and a beautiful butterfly suplex. A pair of lariats as well. But his leg is not strong enough to powerbomb Star, and that allows him to hook the figure four leg lock. Volta eventually manages to roll all the way over to the ropes, blocks a leg trapping German suplex, but Star is then able to get Volta down with a lariat, and 
looks to hook in a heel hook. What do you think Volta's counter to this holds in the B? Just pure brutal fuckery. Yeah, a big fucking <laughs> yeah, shot. Yeah. <laughs> Star goes all Rick James on Volta's knee. Uh, <laughs> tries to talk a sharpshooter, but Volta gets a cradle out of nowhere to get the free count and win after 13 minutes and 43 seconds. It's a great game of human chess in this match. Yeah. You know, they really love the legwork. And Volta as well was really struggling directly after the match. Like he, he did his pose, but then like when it came to walking out of a ring, he just really couldn't. Yeah, just great, really great strategy from Star. Volta tried to combat it with just you know his pure stiffness, but he had to pull it out of the hat at the last minute with some great wrestling technique. Yeah, that was a really solid match. I liked it. It's funny to see Volta do like moves that you wouldn't normally see a big guy do. Like with the cradle as the finish. You wouldn't normally see big guys do pin manoeuvres. I mean, like technically, that. you would expect them to do it all the time, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. Like if you, if you, the, the mismatch inside yeah. between those two, surely a cradle pin, you no one's getting out of that. Oh, you just with smother a guy that size. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I think it's nice, like you were saying, sometimes to just see something a little bit different that can sometimes be a little bit formulaic. Yeah. I think certainly after the match previous to that, which was a lot more technical than that one, while there were elements of sort of technical wrestling within that one, I thought it was nice sort of palate cleanser, if you will, from, from the match previously into something like that one. And and who doesn't love a massive chop from time to time that sort of <laughs> reverberates around yeah. this, the, the, the big room that we're in? So I know I, know I do. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There's a great shot of like Volta mid chop, and you could see the skin from the opponent's chest, like kind of congeal around, and like the, the handprint that he's leaving from it. You want one of the, the least fleshy parts of your body mm. being your sternum, but yeah, still yeah, the force that he's hitting them with is still looks like it's cushioned. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. So as far as Volta's campaign for the title goes. He actually earned a title match at Chapter 74 and won the title. And we're not going to who he was facing quite yet because we've got our own title match for tonight coming up. So yeah, he's the champion going into Wembley and we'll see who he's facing later on. Yeah. Oh, spoilers, immediately. Because match number four (laughs) is the six-man tag team match for combined forces of British Strong Style, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. Taking on Flash Morgan Webster, Mark Haskins and Jimmy Havoc, accompanied by Vicky Haskins. One thing I was texting you guys about was, in the time that it's been since we last covered progress on the show, they went from having very little licensed music to going back to all licensed music, which we had for this show, and now they've got zero licensed music at all. That's a hell of a a turnover. Mm. But, you know, there, there must be, obviously, a reason behind it. Yeah, it is an odd one for them to switch back. You think, oh, well, that means that they're going to be able to do this sort of going forwards now. We've got all the licensed music back and then we're now back to sort of square one mm-hmm. with their own their own version of each of them. And they've been releasing them on YouTube as well, haven't they? Mm, yeah. Um, these newer ones, which I don't know if they did that last time when they were using them, I don't know. It wasn't strictly their own commissions. It was just a, like the wrestlers... Mm-hmm. go to an independent company usually it's someone like Hot Tag Media Yeah. so like they get used in multiple promotions I think these themes that they've uploaded they were exclusively commissioned for progress right, 
Yeah, at the very least, we got to, at this show at least, have the return of There is blindness <laughs> I don't want to see. Trent's in the street clothes because his knee's knackered so he can't compete tonight. So Tyler and Peter are on their own. I've got proper doctors looking after me there, innit? <laughs> and he talks about his excitement for what was then the upcoming UK Championship tourney. Yeah. It better be the main event. Our faces are on everything. He, he's brilliant on the mic. I'm not even that upset that he didn't wrestle just because you're on the need. Like, where, whereas Zach Gibson needs five minutes to sort of run the show, you only need five minutes of Trent Seven and you're in stitches and it makes up for the fact that he's not he's not actually wrestling mm-hmm. because I mean I would argue that at the minute anyway his strengths are completely on yeah. on the mic ah yeah so what's Flash doing with Haskins and Havoc well he got a world title match at chapter 64 but there was a dusty finish over he looked like he won the title but he actually didn't and so then he was like ah fuck it I'll join up with Vicky but he's kind of like the reluctant guy in this team because didn't Vicky nick his helmet yeah like she's been campaigning to like try and get him to change his attitude anyway and so this is him giving it a shot yeah this match featured a bunch of great little verbal touches from Jimmy Havoc here initially right from the get go he goes to do a missile drop kick in the corner and he misses and you can see he's going to miss like oh shit (laughs) that was pretty good Flash gets his fingers snapped and then Pete makes him flip his own teammates yeah. off. <laughs> Tyler Bate then does junkyard dog style running headbutts. This is very much British strong style out here to have a laugh as opposed to British strong style out here to murder people. Yeah. And looks at it. Which is a shame because this is one of the few matches we've had recently where there's actually been a little bit of story behind it mm. as far as British strong style goes. Nowadays, it's usually just, oh, look at who, look, they're facing these lads. Can you believe we booked that match? I can't, oh, mate, I just, oh, I need to sit down now. I was like, you booked it yourself, you're in control of this. <laughs> Why are you in disbelief of the match that you've yeah. had control of? You know? Yeah, I think you'd have thought it was a serious matchup if they'd have said, Trent obviously can't wrestle, so we've got a third partner. So you already knew that there was something iffy because they said well we're just going to stick with the two of them mm-hmm. and then when they started pissing about then you was like right okay they're just having fun here nice sent on by Flash to counteract that and then Haskins and Havoc pile on Pete in the corner and slingshot him into a Death Valley driver for two fans chant at Jimmy that he's a cunt and Jimmy replies so's your mum Pete backflips out of the corner to get the hot tag to Tyler who explodes suplexes Flash into the rest of his teammates. Airplane spins him into the deadlift German. Havoc breaks up the deadlift with a double stomp. Pete Enzigiri is out of a Rainmaker, but eats a reverse Hurricane Rana by Flash. Havoc hits a Michinoku driver, then a big landslide by Haskins, and the Shadow of Malice by Flash. Pete breaks up the fall. He tries to break Vicky's fingers. Yeah. Jimmy... Breaks it up eventually. Tyler and Pete then wind up back to back, trying to do the whole buddy cop thing and bugger up a load of it. Yeah. Nice Tyler driver backstabber combination by British Strong Style to Flash gets a near fall. Flash is then able to escape the X-Plex and turn it into a, a Hurricane Rana on Tyler. 
Pete counters a strangler into the X-Plex, goes to the bitter end on Haskins, but then eats a German suplex dropkick combo. And then we see some miscommunication between Vicky and Flash over whether he should use the barbed wire bat. Yeah. This gives the heels a nice little distraction, which allows Jimmy to hit Tyler with the barbed wire bat. And then uh, Haskins and Havoc double team on Tyler, allows Flash to get the pinfall for the free count. So Haskins, Havoc and Flash win after 13 minutes and 3 seconds. What do you guys think? I enjoyed it. I quite liked that it was a, a handicap. Even though they didn't bring another member down or, well, you know, another partner, I still thought that Pete Dunne and Tyler Bay were going to win. That's how much confidence I have in them. I do like Havoc Haskins. I like them as a tag team. And it was nice to just have Flash with them as well. All of the guys in the ring, they've, they've been at progress for so long that they could just have a good match with each other like with their eyes shut. So it was just, just really nice, clean finish and we always talk about every time we go and watch progress show about having like a, a, a good match to finish like the first act and stuff and that that was like a perfect one to do that yeah, yeah so me yeah i thought it was, it was a solid match i think i do feel like they're very very similar matches so like have haskins and, and flash with vicky haskins there's very much a formula to those matches I'm certainly looking forward sort of in the future to see how that's gonna gonna continue I'm a big Jimmy Havoc fan, so I, I always feel like he should be towards the top of the card. Obviously, initially, he was going to be doing, having a death match or a, with a Will Ospreay mm-hmm. at Wembley, which I was really looking forward to. Two of my favourite wrestlers in a match at Wembley, I was really, really looking forward to that. That's obviously changed since then. And I would like to see him sort of going back as a singles competitor. Yeah, he got a little bit more of that in on the Coast to Coast tour. Yeah. He did the... ECW style match with Ricky Shane Page and a few things like that but yeah so that Will Ospreay Havoc match had to get moved forward to the most recent chapter chapter 75 75 thank you Kyle. two out of three falls death match with Paul Robinson as the guest referee and that's now segued into Paul Robinson and Jimmy Havoc having the death match at Wembley you would ask yourself though if we'd have gone back three years how different is this card from what you would expect it to have been? Sort of, if you think back three years, you could very easily have had a Havoc versus Paul Robinson match. Mm. Sort of at the culmination of the the feud, it, it had Jimmy's initial run as champion, which is still the longest reigning Progress champion. It sort of, for me, takes a bit of a shine off things that we've come so far in all this time, but we're still getting matches that you would potentially have been able to have sort of two or three years ago. Don't get me wrong, I'm, like, I'm looking forward to that match and I'll, I'll definitely be watching that. But mm. again, you'd say the same thing about Havoc versus Osprey. So my whole point is null and void because I was excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, with Havoc and Osprey, with that being very much the rivalry that built the company, initially mm. at least, it kind of makes sense to try and put that on Wembley as like a celebration of that. Mm. Like, oh, this is Absolutely. full circle. This is what you've been able to grow the company to and there's still issues that were lingering yeah. um, it, it sounded like a chaotic match that they had at chapter 75 <laughs> as for this match personally I found it a bit of a step down from the previous three matches that we had in this half and mainly it was the, the double teams from Pete and Tyler they didn't quite come off it's a bit of a bland heat as well from the heels 
But they got some more interesting stuff in there down the stretch. A whole bunch of chaos between this Haskins, Havoc and Flash faction though. So Haskins and Flash being in the Thunderbastard series got a pretty good winning run going. But then Flash turned on Haskins and it seems like this encouragement from Vicky is taking him too far. So now the turn's happened while Boar has replaced Haskins in the Thunderbastard match. So while Boar and Webster are a unit called the 198 now. Yeah. I have to say, like you were kind of expecting a split was going to happen. I didn't expect it to happen midway through. No. Because you're like, well, if a split was going to happen, you'd want like a, a direct Haskins and Webster match. And you can't get that with them in the tag series. Like you, you can't get it at Wembley, so you know. was that they did not do that coast to coast. I'm pretty sure there was. It might have been in Philadelphia at the ECW arena. Oh, grudge match. Mm. Yeah, that sounds um, like something. There was, yeah. So at Philadelphia. Oh, bloody hell! <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> yeah, Mark Haskins versus Flash Morgan Webster. Webster steals the win with a low blow after Vicky had inadvertently distracted the ref who returned to count the pin from a small package. So, Flash got the win. So, yeah, and they seem to maintain like a, a good run, him and Wild Boar. I'd be interested to see where that goes. As for Pete, well, directly after this match, Trent is arguing with the referee about the whole bat incident. And then, out of nowhere, we get the arrival of WXW promoter Christian Michael Jacoby. <laughs> Pete... <laughs> is inviting him into the ring and there's the wanker symbol and CMJ was a uh, like <laughs> licking thing. <laughs> oh my God. At Super Strong Star 16, he also came out and he issued a challenge for Pete to face, who was then the unified champion of WXW, Ilya Dragunov. And it turns out Dragunov is here tonight and he comes out to meet Pete face to face and get an answer CMJ asks the audience if they want this match it gets a resounding yes but then he says it shouldn't be wasted in this shithole it should be for the big money at Wembley that was one of the first things we got announced at Wembley this international dream match Dragunov versus Pete Dunne I'm going to be totally honest I'd never heard of the guy before yeah, I'm in the same boat as Kyle. So it was it was nice that everybody else was excited. About so this. yeah, we just kind of jumped on board and stood there and was like, "Hey, <laughs> yeah." But a whole bunch of people um, when he came out of his show, people on Twitter was like, "Someone tell the Max who Dragonov is." I'm like, "That's progress's job. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Our, it's not our fault if audience members don't." And I would argue the fact that I'm still not entirely sure who he is. Three months down the line, nearly four months since this show. And it's still just, to me anyway, I'm, it's just another match. It's not something that I'm particularly sort of interested in the end result of because it's not, I don't think it's been sold particularly well by Progress at all. I agree with that. From what I can follow, they were on the WXW show together and had to be pulled apart in a brawl. And we didn't see Dragonoff at a Progress show until Chapter 75. I mean, beat. Pete up. That's literally been the build. Mm. Other than that, it's just been Pete faces insert blank wrestler here. Yeah. 
2017 was a huge year for Dragon Elf, most notably kicked off by winning the 16 karat gold tournament, which is the super strong style equivalent, beating Volta in the final, and that kind of put him on the map. Yeah, that was when I first became familiar with him, because that was the first instance that we got of Volta absolutely twatting someone with his chops, and the images of Dragunov's chest that came in after that really did the rounds, like it got spread all over. He's 24. Oh, I didn't realise he was that young. 24, don't look 24. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's 24. Mm, yeah. I'm sure it'll be a good match. Pete Dunne doesn't really have bad matches. And it's something, I mean, I like these sort of matches I do enjoy just because it means that you're getting sort of the new wrestlers that you might not have. We've, we've certainly not heard of him prior to this, so I'm, yeah. I'm not sort of averse to seeing new wrestlers. Where they go with it, I don't know. Surely they're not going to just be, it's not going to be a one and done. They've made that much of a, well, initially they made that much of a, of a thing about it that you would expect him to sort of be in it more going forwards. Yeah. Like you said before, Kyle, this is sort of the end, end of half on a high yeah. sort of thing. This is exactly what, what they did with this one. So like I said, everyone who, who knew who he was seemed to enjoy it and the atmosphere was certainly sort of brilliant during this segment. So, yeah, no complaints from me. Really. Mm, I didn't expect it. It was a nice surprise. Mm. That took us to the interval. So half-time question time. Just a timestamp miss for our listeners. We're recording this the day after Hell in a Cell 2018. So... Get your quick thoughts on that show. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a solid pay-per-view. I enjoyed all the matches. I watched up to AJ and Samoa live. Ended up falling asleep. And then I caught up again this morning with the rest. There were a few dodgy finishes. But overall, just watching it, I enjoyed enjoyed it as a whole. I thought it was a really strong pay-per-view. I've, I've not seen the final three matches. I know the results of them, but certainly the first two hours were really, really strong. I don't remember a pay-per-view for a while, actually, that had... Maybe WrestleMania was the last one that's had such a, a strong opening. Certainly, the, the initial Hell in a Cell match was great. I'm not a massive Randy Orton fan, but I thought him and Jeff had really good chemistry in that match. Mm. The Charlotte and, and Becky match was, was brilliant, as was the tag team match. So I think Seth Rollins is, is very quickly becoming my favourite wrestler in WWE at the moment. I think there's not really anyone other than possibly AJ who's really touching him at the moment, just in all-round sort of mic work, his presence, his charisma, everything. Yeah. And, and I'm happy to, to see The Shield do everything right now. And then, yeah, the, the, the Small Joe AJ match was a, it was a good match. I, I still don't understand why this wasn't in a cell, other than not giving SmackDown two cell matches. This certainly deserved it, I felt, more than the Jeff Hardy around the autumn match. Even having seen that match, there was nothing that happened in that match other than the final bump that couldn't have been done just in a normal no DQ match mm. without, without the cell being involved. And even when I was watching the VT before the Samojo AJ Styles match, I'm still like, why, why is this not in a cell? There's like everything that we've, we've had so yeah. far, it, it needs to be in a cell. And I thought, even though it wasn't, I thought they had, a, they had a really, really good match. And again, with those two wrestlers, you're not going to struggle to get a bad match out of, out of both of them too. Yeah. Also, did you know it was Jeff Hardy's first time in a cell match? 
No, it wasn't mentioned up last night with that 300 <laughs> times. I can't believe it. It's... You I, think they'd inform us about this? this is I massively fucked up with that last night. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> so, just a quick rundown. On the kickoff show, it was the New Day who faced Rusoff Day. The New Day picked up the win. The finish was a bit dodgy as hell. I really like this match. There were times in that match, multiple times, when I thought that Rusev Day were going to get the win. Aiden I like being able to sort of suspend my belief and yeah. sort of get caught up in the, the match, and that, that was for me really, really strong match. Mm, I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I liked Aiden English's um, his flip out the ring. That was yeah, that, that was, was really good. Yeah. You know, you brought it to our attention that he's a he's married into the Guerrero family. Yeah. Did you see his frog splash? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, so the finish for that I wasn't so keen on. So mm-hmm. like Rusev was literally as close as I am to the mic of Kofi's foot, but could not get hold of Kofi's foot, which just seemed ridiculous. It's a bit like one of them in the ladder match, and like, I seem to remember the ladder match for the IC title. Was it at WrestleMania, or was it one of the other pay-per-views where, where Seth Rollins won it? Finn Balor was sort of yeah. like stroking Seth's legs as he's trying, to, <laughs> oh, get up, yeah. trying yeah. to get up the ladder and I sort of take it for granted just how insanely choreographed and how insanely sort of perfect they've got to be to get everything to look yeah. to look exactly as it should I can sort of forgive it for that because I enjoyed the, the rest of the match so much I thought yeah it was it was a little bit ropey but I, I don't think it detracted from, no. from the match as a whole Randy Orton against Jeff Hardy Hell in a Cell match Hell of a match. I really enjoyed that. Jeff obviously said that he would do something stupid. He did something stupid. It cost him the match. <laughs> he did something stupid that he'd already done in TNA as well. Well, yes, he had. Yeah, when they had the... What did they call the it? Lethal Lockdown, I yeah, think, yeah. yeah. Genuinely feared for Jeff's life throughout the whole of this match, wondering what the hell he was going to do. One of the most disgusting spots I've ever seen in wrestling. Yeah, oh, the, the screwdriver. As soon as he went to the, to the toolbox, I'm like, if he puts one of those screwdrivers through his fucking ear, I'm going to throw up. How the hell did his ear not snap? I, was wait, I did think at one point, I was like, is he really going to let him rip his ear up? Mm. I, was really, I really thought that was what was going to happen at one stage. How flexible was his earlobe, though? Jesus yeah, Christ. Christ. 25 minutes that match lasted and Randy Orton picked up the win after yep. Jeff fell from the top of the cell through a table. The landing looks really harsh. Really rough, yeah. Got more of his face than yeah. he planned on doing. I really uh, enjoyed it, yeah. Jeff moved about a fair bit better than I've seen of him since his comeback. Mm. You could tell Jeff was really prepping to get into this match and saving himself for it. Yeah, I quite liked how the belts were used. This, this is going to sound weird, but how how they were actually used. You know the fact that Randy's back was fucked. That was oh, a, absolutely. That was, yeah. that was a great visual. That. Yeah. It, it, it dripping out of every single stud of that belt. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Yeah, so overall, I, I think that this was my favourite match of Hell in a Cell. Next up, Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. Now, there were quite a lot of times throughout this match that I could hear the audience chanting Becky Lynch and then all of a sudden, he disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. I don't think Vince wanted the Becky Lynch chance, but anyway. 30 minute 55 it lasted. I thought it was an okay match. 
I um, fucking loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was immense. Becky was running an absolute clinic with the arm work, doing yeah. loads of different stuff. Hammerlock reverse DDTs, pulling everything out. Now, my logic of this is for Charlotte Flair to be the most prestigious women's champion, she has to lose the belt to then win it, to lose it, to win it. So, as much as all the fans are like, yeah, yeah, fuck you, fuck you, Becky's now the champ, Becky's now the champ, Vince is sat there going, well, it's okay, because Charlotte's going to win it back. So that's the way that I see that. I'm super happy to see Becky as champ. Yeah, I enjoyed that match. Mm-hmm. We then had Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, against Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Holy shit, how good does Ambrose look? It like, compared look, it to great. how he used to look. How awkward must it be for Renee on commentary? Do you mean like, like the bit where she said Dean Ambrose wants this pie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this match was 22 minutes 50. Really enjoyed the match. Some of you were saying it before. Ambrose, Rollins, I could watch The Shield all day. Mm. I really like Dolph and I really like Drew McIntyre. So for me, that the match was just a win-win. Very nice match in general. Drew's really... Starting to see his main roster promotion really bear fruit now. Yeah. He's being used a lot more in the ring and they're working quite well as a team, Drew and Zig, I think. Yeah. This is my favourite match of, of the ones that I saw from the night, certainly. Part of that, I think, was because I just expected Dean Ambrose and, and Seth Rollins to win. And the fact that they didn't was quite nice, I thought. For, for me, anyway, I thought it, it sort of ended on quite nice. I thought that the near falls that they, they had would were, were just on point. There were like two or three times that I thought that they'd got the belts and they hadn't. Then it was AJ versus Smojo. We have spoke about this. I have no idea why it wasn't in Hell in a Cell. That match was 19 minutes. I really enjoyed the match. I liked both of them, AJ and Samoa. I just didn't agree with the finish. Yeah, somebody made the point on Twitter earlier, I saw that all the heel has been wronged again. Mm. So it's a bit lopsided like that. I'm kind of okay with it because it means the feud is continuing, which, again, might be looking at it in hindsight. Oh, well, that's why it's not a sell match because they want to do more stuff with it later on. Part of me, as much as I love AJ as champion, part of me does lean towards wanting Samoa to win the belt now because AJ did tap. I want Joe to be champion. They broke the rule of thumb that if you read... From a fairy tale that you're yeah. going to win your match with this set with Shane Redman. Because <laughs> yeah. Shane read his Beanstalk story and he's won his last man standing match with Big Show. Yeah. Up to the top of the mighty Beanstalk, the people were stunned. They can barely talk. The fairy tale ends with a mighty crash landing. And it was all said and done. Shane O'Mac was the last man standing. The Miz and Maurice against Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella was up next. Wasn't really interested in this. I think you said that earlier as well. Yeah, individually I do like them, but I think it was just the introduction of the wives was something that sort of put me off a little bit. Because I, I, I like Miz's promos and stuff. I no, no, I love, love the Miz. And yeah. I love Daniel Bryan, but I think I don't, for some reason it just didn't grab me. I think it was the weakest match on the show. Yeah. I didn't necessarily think it was a bad match. It was quite good. And they were really successful at Getting the fans invested in wanting Brie to twat Maurice, which is quite a turnout because I heard the SmackDown match wasn't all that good. 
And yeah. we're talking about Brie Bella, who forgot how to do a suicide dive twice as well. Twice, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'm, like, I'm fine with this as a way of like elongating the feud and putting a different slant on things, just as long as it leads to a bigger Miz and Bryan match. Yeah. So this was 13 minutes. The finish of it was a fuck-up for me, I feel. Rolling over and then Maurice trying to roll back over, but it ended up just being a pin. I didn't think that it went how it should have done. Well, she didn't quite get her technique quite right. So she was at an odd angle than usual for like you know grabbing the tights and stuff, yeah. which is the whole point. So it just ended up being a flat pin. And I think you could tell by like Daniel Bryan's reaction when he got back in the ring, he was like, oh shit. I mean, she did get the tights eventually. Yeah. But, you know, I thought it's all right yeah. in principle as a way to wrong Brian without him losing. Yeah. To wrong Bree so that we might do something else again at Evolution, I yeah. guess. So then we go to our Women's Championship. 12 minutes and five. Ronda against Alexa. Again, a, a really solid match. And for the first time since I've seen Ronda, anyway, she was getting her ass kicked by Alexa Bliss. I was very pleasantly surprised by this. Again, this is just like another opportunity to try and test, okay, how far is Ronda really going? Because, I mean, she's still green with regard to a lot of the aspects of the way she she wrestles, but she sold really well, I thought, for the most part. Again, Alexa did really well. Well, the finish was just what you expected. Let's go and break Alexa's arm. I'll tap before you break it. Nice and simple, nice and smooth all the way through. And then we get to the main event. 24 minutes, so a minute shorter than Randy and Jeff. I don't, don't agree with the finish of it. It just seems a bit pointless. So Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns inside the Hell in a Cell. Brock Lesnar comes out and rips the door off. Twats them both with an F5. No contest yep. in a Hell in a Cell match. Yep. An F5 of which it took like three or four of them to, and Roman Reigns still got up. Yeah. At SummerSlam and WrestleMania and all the other matches that they've had. But for some reason last night it took one to turn it into a no contest. The cheek of him as well, because Mick Foley had his stand-up show after celebrating 20 years of his Hell in a Cell match, where he fell off the fucking thing twice and still carried on. And then they're like, oh no, we can't do this anymore. Brock's come out and given them a boo-boo. Yeah. I actually thought when Brock was first coming out that he was just going straight for Braun because he hit Braun first and I was thinking oh shit that's because of Braun kind of taking everything away from him from the, the title match and I was thinking shit is he going to like give Roman the, the win here and then he F5 Roman onto Braun and I was like holy shit he's going to get the pin here. Yeah that's what I thought too. I thought Roman's just going to stay on top of Fresh Ref's going to come and count yeah. Braun down. But no, no. The match was no. fucking shite. Braun and Roman were doing alright, like just with the brawling stuff as well, like acting like it was going to be a regular match where things are going to escalate to something. Yeah. Then they took a big fucking nap while the tag teams came out and did all the hard work well, on the cell. I was going to say, it just goes to show that the best bit about the match was when Dolph and Drew and the Shield came out. That was the best bit of the match. Ludicrous. Braun and Roman kick ass. Let them murder each other, please. Yeah. For me, one of the best in-ring shows they've had in months and months and months. Mm. Definitely this year. If you scrapped that main event and you flipped the card upside down so that you went from Ronda's match 
and then built towards the Orton and Jeff Hardy match, you've got one of the best cards that we've had for a good two or three years. Yeah, I could have easily watched the Randy Jeff match as a main event. We're back from intermission. They tried to run the video package for the Progress World title match coming up. It didn't play in the arena. It did on demand. Twice, I think it did. Twice, play. at least, yeah. Yeah, it just talked about how Jack Sexsmith, the challenger, is working hard to gain acceptance and questioning how good he can get. He has a line here that I thought was quite nice. I capitalise on your doubt. This is our fifth match of the evening. The Progress World title is on the line. Travis Banks, the champion, accompanied by TK Cooper, defending against Jack Sexsmith. We saw on our last show how he came out and announced that he'd was getting this title opportunity at Chapter 69. And this is another thing where, oh, this is the biggest Manchester show, but Jack's been mainly in the mid-card and this is his first title match. And Don't know, it felt like a weird time to do it. Yeah, he wasn't particularly coming off the back of a massive amount of momentum, was he? There was part of me that was thinking prior to this match, well, they might give him the win. I was thinking, well, it's quite a big show. They're sort of advertising it as the biggest Manchester show. There might be a bit of an upset here, obviously, with, with all the stuff he's been doing, Jack, sorry, outside of, of wrestling. I was thinking maybe it's a good opportunity for them to, to put the belt, even just an interim champion, similar to like Pastor William Eva was a few years ago. I didn't expect him to be champion going into Wembley, but I thought maybe as a sort of an interim yeah. champion, he might be quite... Maybe then lose it in coast to coast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you say, like between the last show we went to and this one, they've really not done that much with him. Like he tagged with David Starr a couple of times, but yeah, like he didn't feel like he had as much spotlight put on him as I think perhaps he should have. Yeah. Travis Banks, on the other hand, I fucking love the response to the fan backlash that he brought up from this. Chapter 65, he really started to embrace the hate and he's doing Superman punches and Roman Reigns mannerisms yeah. and he reformed the South Pacific power trip with TK and he's just been an absolute great bastard. I've loved it. Jack comes out and he's got the pansexual flag on his gear, which I've learned that day. It's like, well, I, di- I didn't realise there was a flag for every gender and... I didn't realise there was orientation. a... Yeah, there, yeah, there was a no, flag for every either. orientation. I didn't until you just said that. Mm. So, yeah. And I mean, that, I didn't... Were they different colours? Oh, I didn't even realise it was yeah, different yeah. colours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we do. Now, now we do. <laughs> but the general pride flag is just for the whole community. And then there's specific ones for transsexuals and pansexuals and all the different orientations, yeah. Great touch that I didn't realise at the time but through watching the video package, I realise Jack slaps Travis's hand away at the start of the match, and Travis did that to Jack in one of their previous matches. Right, I see. So that was a callback that it didn't get until we got to see the video package. Jack nearly gets the win right away, hitting the sliced bread and the LGB DDT. But TK pulls the referee out, so Jack nearly murders him with the big double stomp move to the outside. Seriously, from our perspective, it looked like it right, landed right on his face. Yeah. They wind up brawling all around the fans in the front row. One guy just <laughs> refused to leave his seat 
and it was looking proper smug next to Trav when he sat down and looking after his pint. And our friend Shauna, she did not flinch one bit when a Travis chop was ducked and nearly hit her in the face. Jesus. Jack winds up getting powerbombed on the stairs. That's another use of the, you know, the new venue, the new steps that are quite light. Mm. Uh, he comes back with a big chop and a net breaker and counters the low pay, but then he kind of mucked up the sliced bread on the apron. Like his leg got caught in the ropes as he was rotating around. Yeah. Jack counters the slice of heaven with Rainbow Road, but then Banks ducks the big double stomp move, hits the slice of heaven and the Kiwi Crusher, but it only gets a two count. So he goes for it again, and it only gets a one count. Backward storytelling, that. See, what I liked about this bit, though, is that they've been pretty strict in the last three or four months of in progress that they have, no one kicks out at one because they feel like it sort of diminishes the, the strength of the finishes and everything. So I thought that was quite a nice touch, sort of storytelling-wise. That yeah. mm-hmm. while it wasn't necessarily something that was blatantly obvious, I thought it was still something that was quite nice in there that you were thinking sort of no one's kicked out and won for so long, but then Jack does it sort of showing... The sort of willing, sort yeah. of the fighting the dog sort of thing. Yeah, know? I like that they had it, someone doing it in answer to Trav, who was starting to be a real dick about it. You know, yeah. with the whole kick out at one, walk out at ten shtick mm. he's got. Oh yeah, Trav tries to, speaking of walking out at ten, he tries to leave. Volta cuts him off. And Jack hits a slice bread from the second rope. Gets a really close near fall. I was really worried that Jack actually broke his neck, like with the angle of his landing. Yeah. Yeah. The big double stop move gets two again. Then Jack hooks in the crippler cock face, but <laughs> Travis gets the ropes. Travis then hits the avalanche kiwi crusher and another kiwi crusher, and Jack still kicks out. So Banks locks in the lion's clutch, and Jack passes out from the pain, doesn't tap out. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin finish. So Trav retains after 16 minutes and 12 seconds. What was a really good match. Very good showing from Jack in general. You know, did himself proud. And yeah, Travis is a really good bastard. A solid match. Yeah, I quite like Travis. I, I think I've said this on other episodes. My only thing with Travis, I mean, now he's starting to get, like you say, become this bastard. But for me, like holding the Progress Championship, there needs to be something about you. And I never thought there was anything about Travis. But then watching him at the Manchester show you started to see this champion now. Because I felt like in previous shows when you'd seen him, he was just Travis Banks, the progress champion. That's it. There was no history to it or anything. Whereas, like I say, in this match, you started to see him trying to cheat his way out and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it was a good match. Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed this. There was a couple of times during the match that I thought that the sort of some of the near falls sort of got me. And there were a couple of times that I did think Sexsmith was going to Gonna walk away with the with the belt. As I said before, I thought it would have been sort of a nice interim champion between maybe between now and and Wembley or something like in in between all that. But I really really enjoyed this match. It was mm. a really good start to the second half. I thought this is one of those matches where it was really really great to be there live. Yeah, because you absolutely. really feel the energy from the crowd and people were very supportive of Jack. Yeah, and you know you saw post match he was walking around and thanking people. One person in the front row was just in tears, just distraught over. Jack's loss. And yeah. People felt it that much. Good stuff overall, and it's a great way of 
like protecting him this losing effort. So yeah, that resulted in Jack and David Starr being put in the Thunder Bastard series, and Travis went on to lose his world title to Volta. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's injured now and can't make the Wembley show. What, Travis? Travis Banks, yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it's something to do with the UK tape. It was at the Cambridge yeah. tapings, yeah. I think it's his shoulder that he hurt. Yeah. So he had to miss the US tour too. Yeah. He's, been, he's been out for a few months now, hasn't he? He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's still not back. They've had the whole three and in tournament sort of thing, haven't they? And then the American tour and leading up to that, so we've now got our main event sorry yeah so all throughout the US tour and chapter 75 so the final three in the end were Jimmy Havoc Tyler Bate and Mark Haskins Jimmy Havoc wrestled a match and lost Tyler Bate and Haskins faced each other Tyler won so we're going to get Tyler Bate versus Volta nice interesting matchup possibly what they were intending to do in the first place because Tyler got injured at Super Strong Star 16. Yeah. And we don't really know if he was supposed to go on and win anyway. And Zack Sabre Jr. was a... Yeah, was the, the secondary. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, it's the first time meeting. But it is a shame that it only really came together at this late stage. For, like, we say, the biggest show ever. Yeah, I suppose that's one of the things in wrestling that you can't really judge is it injuries and, and stuff you, you could have this amazing story but it might get cut short due to whatever mm-hmm. I mean look at the incredible story of Kurt Angle's illegitimate child <laughs> that got cut short it's really not sounding good for him either. no it's not apparently he's been doing a lot of producing yeah our sixth match of the evening is the fatal four way match for the Atlas Championship that Volta had vacated it features Joseph Connors, LOL, Doug Williams, Rob Lynch, and Rampage Brown. Connors and his fucking sippy cup can bugger off. Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> he claims he weighs at 206 pounds. An amazing feat considering he was on 205 Live the previous week at 192 pounds. Yeah. Big reaction to Rampage as well for his first Manchester show back. Yeah. That's what I was really looking forward to about this match. Mm. Connors pisses everyone off in this match, slapping everyone, so he gets ganged up upon. Awesome spot from Rampage where he catches Connors' leapfrog out of midair and power slams him in one fell swoop. It's awesome. Then Rob Lynch surprises me with a leapfrog out of a corner and a double moonsault. Doug locks Connors in an Indian deathlock and then Northern Light suplexes Rampage while he still maintains the deathlock. Rampage pile drives Doug on the fucking ring apron yeah that was so immense like even Rampage like he regretted it after he did it unbelievable Rampage it's a big urinagi to Connors and a Saito suplex to Lynch then Connors messes up his slingshot DDT to take Rampage off a victory roll but hits a much better tornado bulldog and dropkick combo Small drop and clothesline by Rampage leads to him getting backdropped to the outside from a returning Doug. Then Doug escapes the fireman's carry from Connors and hits a chaos theory to get the free count in a huge pop. Yeah. Sentimental favourite wins. Doug wins his first Atlas Championship. What did you guys make to this match? Like the result. I think the first time I'd ever seen Doug Williams was at the previous Manchester show. I really enjoyed that match and that was a bit of a bittersweet one because he lost that match. 
sort of, he'd said, didn't they, I'm done now. That's it, you're thinking of potentially retiring and then for him to come back to win the Atlas title, I thought mm. that was a really nice touch. And the, the four of them, probably the one that I was most keen on seeing, winning that particular match. But the match as a whole was really, really good. To his credit, Joseph Connors, I think, sort of, didn't necessarily feel that out of place. I thought it still played into the storyline that, that, that they were going for. Yeah. And I still, I still really enjoyed that match. Because mm. isn't Doug Williams saying if you, his next match he loses, he re- he's retiring? Is yeah. Something that, like that? that. That's the bill coming off. So he's had a few successful title defences. I think TK Cooper was the first guy to lure this out of him. And then following that title defence, Trent Seven's come out and challenged him. So that's going to be our Atlas Championship for Wembley. Trent Seven challenging Doug Williams. Yeah. Odd if Trent was to win as a face to then retire. Yeah. But then suppose you have the sort of face versus face retirement. And it's Sean and Rick. Yeah, Sean yeah, and Rick Flair exactly. is a big one. Yeah. It could be like a passing with the torch to Trent as being like the respected veteran yeah. on the circuit, I guess. I enjoyed the match. I thought it was really good. I don't really have much to say about that that's not already been said. Yeah, I liked it pretty well laid out. Rampage looked great especially and Doug winning as a sentimental favourite was much appreciated. Yeah. Alright, we get the video package then for our main event, which is the Progress Women's title match. Ginny, accompanied by Nina Samuels and Chikara from her House of Couture stable, challenges Tony Storm. Ginny addresses Tony in the video package, calling her a little princess saying that she's been on top for too long and she's been studying her. The Queen is back and she's here to take her crown. Mm-hmm. And got a pretty big pop as well. Yeah. So finally we're getting this match. It feels like it's been long overdue because of injuries to Ginny and, and all kinds of things delayed it. Yeah. It upped the ante as well for me when the Manchester show before this one, they did a tag, tag match, was it? And Charlie... Turned, didn't she? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And you kind of thought, right, well, Tony's on her own now. and Is, is this now Ginny's perfect chance? I was kind of disappointed that the first time it got cancelled, it kind of felt like the women's division was on hold for a little bit. Mm. And it took the Australia tour and Super Strong Style 16 and the WrestleMania weekend shows for Tony... Uh, build up some more defences because yeah. I think that's the problem she's been having most of her defences internationally and so a lot of the home audience are like oh, come on where's Tony you know yeah. the early story of this match is House of Couture distracting Tony all the time to allow Ginny to gain control of the match but then Ginny accidentally takes out her seconds at ringside uh, with her tope and then Tony does one of her own this one leads to her whipping Ginny all the way into like the seventh row. And she does the same to both of the House of Couture people yeah. and hits them all with hip attacks. House of Couture respond by defacing Tony with lipstick, but then they eat a bunch of headbutts. Ginny eats an especially massive headbutt yeah. and then gets pile driven on the stage. <laughs> that was nice. Holy shit. Yeah. What I didn't like was the follow-up. Like It felt like Ginny got back in the match too quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like she was wrestling and hitting a Hurricane Rana and a basement dropkick for a two count. Jin then gets a really cool duck under into a surfboard. Yeah. Just goes up and under Tony's legs, whips around, hooks her up. Really liked that. Nina pulls the rope away from Tony's head because like she's trying to bite the rope because her arms are hooked up. 
But Tony eventually escapes and comes back with a pair of German suplexes and a hip attack. A second Hurricanrana is blocked, but then Ginny tells Tony, this is my division, and hits a big draping X-Factor over the ropes for a near fall. Paz accidentally gets forearmed and Ginny tries the Acid Rainmaker, but Tony hits the Acid Rainmaker instead. And then the style clash, nicking all of Ginny's moves. Yeah. Ref's still down though, so Nina tries to attack, but that just leads to Ginny accidentally getting hit with the belt. Tony hits the pile driver, and the other ref arrives, but it only gets a two count. Tony then pile drives Shakara, but then the distraction allows Ginny to roll up Tony for the three count. And a new champion at last in 18 minutes and 52 seconds. I wasn't that surprised that Ginny was going to win because I, did, I just felt that that was kind of where they were going to go. But in thinking that, I still really enjoyed the match. I still thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. I do like Tony Storm. I think she's brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was a really, it was a sort of a brutal match, I felt. In the previous shows that we've been to, I feel like the women's matches have been relatively weak I mean, in comparison to sort of the rest of the card. That might even be the first one-on-one match, albeit with sort of outside interference in that women's one-on-one match that I think we've seen. I think it might tag matches that we've seen previously. Yeah. And I'm similar with Kyle. I was sort of expecting Ginny to come out of that as champion, but it didn't detract from the match itself. Mm. It was an enjoyable, enjoyable match, certainly. Yeah, it did. It felt like the right moment and... Some people were pretty critical because there was a lot of like smoke and mirrors like involving interference and going all around, but I liked it. It felt wild, yeah. it felt important, and it felt like a main event match, like yeah, the style definitely. of match that they were wrestling. Yeah, yeah really enjoyed it. it. It was the right moment for Ginny to win. Got a nice semi-callback in that Ginny was using her House of Couture people to interfere, much like... She'd use Elizabeth to work in her favour when she first started wrestling Tony. Yeah. Yeah, these are two stalwarts of the division and it was nice that they got this spotlight. The finish felt a little cheap, but yeah, like I said, it felt like the right time for a title change. Nice to have it as the main event. Yeah. Yeah. Tony gets a big response post-match. Lots of thank you Tony chants because everyone's assuming that she's off to WWE. But she's like, I'm not fucking going anywhere because that belt is mine. And yeah, she's been in pursuit of it ever since. Yep. She's going to be part of a triple threat match along with Ginny and Millie McKenzie at Wembley. The last progress show, she won the number one contenders match, didn't she? Millie. Millie did, yeah. yeah. Tony, she's not had a one-on-one rematch since. She did win a number one contendership. But that wound up being within a fatal four-way match on the US tour. Yeah. So I guess they were like, well, she deserves another shot. I would have liked to see more women on the card. You think about Eva doing a show that weekend and all the bunch of talent that they're bringing into that, and you're like, I would have loved seeing some of these wrestlers at Wembley as well, you know? They brought in a whole bunch of people that were very popular with the tournament that they did. Yeah. Like this time last year. Yeah. And that's part of why I really enjoyed the Live at the Dome shows and I'm disappointed that they're going away. Because the final one that they did, there were three women's division matchups on that. Yeah. And there's lots of characters who started off with a lower profile that got showcased really nicely through them. Mm. And two women's division matches should be the minimum because I think they've got the characters to do it. Yeah. Yeah, the only other match that we've not mentioned that's going on at Wembley is... Haskins is challenging Matt Riddle in Matt Riddle's final 
match as an independent wrestler. That should be a good match. I like Matt Riddle. Again, feels kind of cold for like your biggest show. Yeah. But it's it's kind of similar to like the last September show when Zack Sabre Jr. had the open challenge. Mm. Is that the one where Matt's girl turned up? Yeah. Was that he responded? It was either one who responded to, to Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, open so then that was yeah. kind of like a send off for Marty. To Marty, yeah. So this is going to be a send off to Riddle. I don't know which way they're going to go with this. Like whether he's going to win on his way out or. I thought they'd have paired him with another WWE UK guy. Yeah, I mean, it's one of them where they say it's his final one, but probably the final one where he's an independent sort of wrestler mm. because you've still got Cassius Ono who comes and does the odd progress bit you've got Velveteen Dream did an Evolve show earlier on this month didn't he yeah there's still room for them to sort of wrestle on these you potentially argue that if he's going to go in right in at the top Matt Riddle which you would think he would with the amount of recognition that he's got worldwide is he going to be able to come back to do stuff, stuff like this but for me, it feels like a bit of an odd one. I don't know what sort of history he's got with Mark Haskins, not even necessarily throughout progress, but throughout independent wrestling as a whole. I certainly feel like it could just be a case of us trying to find something to do with Mark Haskins, sort of now that you've got the 198 in the Thunder Bastard match. Yeah, Jimmy's got his match with, with Paul Robinson, so yeah. it's like we're just trying to find something for him to do for me anyway it's not one that I would look at and think oh that's a match that's going to I'm, I'm going to buy my ticket now because this match is is going ahead there's not yeah. really been any of them that are on that card that would sort of make me go yeah I'm going to I'm going to fork out and go down next week because I think the only one that potentially would have been for me would have been the the Osprey Jimmy Havoc one mm. which I think yeah. I, I need to watch the, the two out of three falls match but I feel like that could have really stolen the show on that entire card yeah. Thoughts on the Manchester show then? Overall, I thought it was good. I don't think it was the strongest that we'd seen. I still feel like the the second one that we saw that had the Tyler Bates Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. match was sort of the strongest one from mm. start to finish. Yeah. There were decent matches in there, don't get me wrong, but I do feel like it was potentially sort of similar with a lot of progress stuff in the last six months, is that it's become a little bit sort of throwaway in that. Other than so obviously, obviously Jimmy winning the title belt, there wasn't necessarily anything that happened on that show that was earth shattering or yeah. sort of progressed storyline any further than sort of one thing that's happened or something else. It's like it was a bit of a, a weak show for them advertising it as the biggest Manchester show ever. Maybe that's my fault for getting sort of over expecting something. Yeah, but I feel like it could have been a stronger, a stronger afternoon. I personally felt the high points weren't quite as good as that last Manchester show, but I, I thought it was like one of the most consistent shows. Like even if nothing really outshone anything else, I still enjoyed everything on that show, mm. and I was very pleased about it. Like you say, going into the show, I was feeling very meh mm. about it. Came out feeling really, really happy and. Yeah, if anybody's like worried about feeling cold about Wembley and stuff, that's probably what's gonna happen really. Like yeah. Yeah. You know, it might not be the most exciting prospect in terms of your investment and stuff, but you're gonna get good wrestling out of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle? Gotta agree with some. I think the our last progress show at the O two had a lot more a lot more stuff that that uh, I don't appealed's not the right word, but I, I don't know, I I felt the Victoria Warehouse one 
there were quite a, a lot more low points to high points. You know, not saying it wasn't a good show, because it was a really good show, but I just think that for a show that was at the warehouse, you would want it to have been better than an O2 Rich show, if you were going to compare. But yeah, it, overall it was good. I mean, we, we've never been to a bad progress show, have we? So, no. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. All right then, so that'll wrap it up. Remember, if you've enjoyed today's show and want to continue supporting the podcast, there are three main ways you can do that. Firstly, you can follow our social media accounts. We're on Twitter at TNW Podcast, which is the busiest place where you'll find us. There's all sorts going on there. You can also find us on Facebook. And we now also have an Instagram account. Search for TNW underscore podcast. I don't really understand Instagram. Kyle's posting all stuff there. I just follow a bunch of people we recognise. Secondly, you can subscribe to us or rate us on any podcasting apps. We are on SoundCloud. You can head to our page at soundcloud.com forward slash TNWpodcast where you can share our tracks to your stream and you can also find a playlist of my guest appearances on the Roar's Nitro podcast. And we're also on Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. You can give us a subscribe there or leave us a five-star review to really help our exposure. The third thing you can do if you're feeling really, really generous is we now have a tips jar over at co-fi.com forward slash then now whatever. We've not really got any lofty expectations for this, but you can see a little goal that we have on our page where if you chose to make a donation, you can see how that contributes to the fees for keeping the podcast online with our hosting server. Like I said, we've got no real expectations. If you feel that passionately about us, you'd like to donate, then we'll be truly grateful for that. So that's goodbye from Kyle. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye from Sonny. See you later. That's goodbye from me. I'll catch you down the road. found something mm-hmm. the reason that Lesnar is back in the WWE is he's scheduled to work the unannounced Saudi Arabia show that is scheduled for Friday November the 2nd Shawn Michaels is also expected to come out of retirement at the same show Fuck and off. is scheduled to be doing a tag team program involving The Undertaker Brock what? will return to the UFC early next year Nothing has changed in that regard, but the money coming in from the Saudi deal was just too good to pass up. What a load of shit that is.